back to our weekly podcast. We uh, have not been gone for the past year and a half, two years. As always, I'm your host, Matt, or Haggy, and I have my trusty co-host here, Taylor. What's up, Taylor? What up, buddy? Uh, glad to see you. It's only been seven days since we last spoke, so it's uh, it's nice to be back after our very short hiatus. So I'm, I'm happy yes. to be here. I'm I'm hoping that everyone listened to and enjoyed our pre-draft coverage. Yes, and our excellent pre-draft coverage picks. where we nailed all four picks. Yeah, we even we even called them trading back, although we didn't get the number that they were trading back into, right? But you know, we can only do so much. Right, absolutely. But like Haggy said, uh, this is going to be another fantastic episode of your favorite. Miami Dolphins podcast, Midwestern Fins. Uh, and to continue on with our tradition, I think we need to start this off in a good sense and talk about the Midwestern Fins featured charity. Haggy, would yes. you like to kick us off and explain what the uh, Midwestern Fins featured charity is for this episode? I would love to. Uh, our hashtag MWFFC uh, that we've brought to this episode is NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Uh, you can find them at NAMI.org, and what they do is that they provide resources and awareness for mental health. Yeah, for all of you that don't know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and to keep our track record uh, up to date and also consistent, Haggy and I have been very big proponents of mental health awareness and advocacy to make sure that people are educated and aware of all the awesome things that are out there for people that need it. Uh, NAMI's mission, just to go off of their website, is to provide advocacy, education, support, and public awareness so that all individuals and families affected by mental illness can build better lives. And I think that's exactly what Haggy and I like to do with the Midwestern Fins feature charity. So this links up and tracks quite well. Absolutely. And another thing that that's cool about them is that they have a helpline. And you can also text them if you're in a crisis for a confidential free crisis counseling. You can do that 24-7. You need to text them, text NAMI to 741741, or you can call their helpline at 1-800-950-6264. Well, that says it's Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern. Maybe that's a different feature in it, but I think, I think the phone number is 24-7, and then a different chat line that's not the crisis texting. Monday through Friday, 10 to 10. That's still lots of time to reach out if you need help. So Absolutely. hashtag MWFFC, Midwestern Fins Feature Charity, is NAMI, or the National Alliance on Mental Illness. So it's check NAMI. them out. NAMI.org, N-A-M-I.org. Awesome. Heck yeah. Sounds great to me. So, Haggy, since we uh, nailed all four draft picks in our pre-draft coverage last week or two weeks ago, would you like to uh, discuss some of them a little bit? Absolutely. Do you want to start from the first one we 
took or the last one we took? Well, I think I think we got to start at the top and work our way down. Um, so let, sure. let's let's start at let's start at the top and work our way down and go from there. All right. So our round one and two, of course, is Tyree Kill. Great player, really fast. We'll see how our new head coach can use him. And I'm not gonna speak bad about our quarterback in this podcast, as I promised people. So Ray. He's going to have a nice, fast person to throw to. And we're basically going to have, like, two really fast people just running all over the place. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, agreed. I I truly believe that. And uh, I think that's what sells tickets these days. Um, We've talked about how defense wins championships, special teams wins games offense sells tickets and I think that's exactly what the the Dolphins approach is going into the season so uh anyway let's get into the actual draft picks since I don't know if the cheetah counts per se but I do want to I do want to add this I feel like I've said this a hundred times and I'll probably say it a hundred times more I don't value draft picks as high as most people do I would rather spend draft capital or however you want to say it on established players. So when the Dolphins traded away Laramie Tunsil to obtain whatever fortune of draft picks uh, they received, and we've we've finally basically come to the end to, um, I, I was against that because I felt like Laramie Tunsil was the player we wanted, right? And you can kind of see that, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, by spending big money to get to Ron Armstead. So in the past, I felt like the Dolphins would always trade away established players to get a potential player in a draft pick. But the Tyreek Hill trade was the exact opposite of that. They gave up high draft picks to obtain an established player to bring the player to the Dolphins to give some kind of consistency and already proven talent to South Beach. And I think that's awesome. I 100% agree. Uh, draft picks usually are a crapshoot. And to get someone that you know can play in the league is way more valuable to me. I mean, look at what the Rams have done. They just won the Super Bowl. They haven't had a first-round draft pick since 2016 when they drafted Jared Goff. Yeah. So exactly. I mean, I think I think that's that's a that might be something that we go towards. It was something along the lines of 12 of the 32 NFL teams didn't have a first round draft pick this year. Yeah. So um, some of it were were some of them were to like trade up for their quarterback in future like 49ers and the Bears. But still like. You can you're you have seen you're seeing teams load up their rosters like us and the Raiders trading for Devontae Adams. And it's gonna become an arms race eventually, in my yeah. opinion. Uh can I also talk about draft position a little bit, Haggy? <laughs> sure. Absolutely. So the Dolphins, when they traded up to get Jalen Jalen Waddle, they traded with the 49ers, correct? It, we traded up with the Eagles. But somehow we had the 49ers first round draft pick this year, correct? 
Yes, so we had the number three pick last year, right? Yes. And we traded back to number 12. With the 49ers. We, with the 49ers. And then okay. we took our pick and an ex, and the Texans pick or something like that to trade up. No. Yeah, e- either way. So in the 2022 NFL draft, the first round draft pick that the Dolphins had was originally the 49ers, which yes. means that that draft pick was based on the 49ers record. Well, yes. they made it to the NFC Championship game, so their draft pick was in the high 20s. It was 29, I believe. So then we used the 29th overall draft pick to trade for Tyreek Hill. That in a second round, yep. But what I'm saying is, that's a low first round draft pick, which does not have the same weight or value as the number six pick that we used to draft Jalen Waddle. So I'd say right. that the value we got from trading away Laramie Tunsil and then trading for Tyreek Hill and whatever else, it was a smart move. And it's it's finally come to make sense and line up with my views and hopes and dreams of using draft picks or potential players to obtain established ones. But so, yeah, it's, it's it's all good stuff. And especially trading a low first round draft pick for a player that is sometimes drafted number one overall in fantasy leagues. Yeah, uh, is is great. I agree. But anyway, I think that's enough time on that topic. Let's let's yeah, get we, to. Uh, we've teased everybody enough. Yes, let's let's get into the actual 2022 draft class, and I, I just want to talk about Shawning Tyndall, linebacker from Georgia. What do you yes, think? Yes, this guy is really fast. Like as we said in our pre-draft special, he's really fast. He's a sure tackler. It's gonna. He didn't get as much time as as a lot of some of the other linebackers at Georgia, just because they had like so many freaking good players, but. Uh, I'm really excited about him. I think we, this kind of has floated around Twitter. It's kind of like a pick just to kind of like help match up against Josh Allen. Because Josh Allen's fast. And having a fast linebacker to be able to contain him is going to be a benefit to us. Yeah, and I think having a a linebacker that can complement Jerome Baker's skill set is going to be huge. Because... We've said before, we're probably going to say it this season, they put too much on that man's plate. Mm-hmm. And he can really excel when he doesn't have to worry about doing everything. So it'll yep. be nice to have a player like this. And I, I'm not saying that I, that that uh, he's going to start, but this draft selection was a, a very good one. Um, just a couple notes. He was the ninth Georgia player selected. So it's just out of 15, which is insane. Right. And it was already, it was in the, it was in the third round. So there was eight players drafted before him in the first three rounds, which is unreal. The only thing that is maybe uh, secondary to me or something that I would question is that even though he played in 50 games in his college career, that's a lot. He didn't start any of them. But when you have a loaded defense like Georgia, it makes sense that he didn't start. 
But here's the thing is he put up numbers even though he was riding the bench or coming off the bench, basically. Yeah. And that's that's important because production is really key when it comes down to it. I agree. And I mean, you could I mean, you're talking about him coming off the bench. Um, the Jets, excuse me, drafted Jermaine Johnson, who out of Florida State, but he was playing at Georgia before that. He wasn't getting enough playing time because their defense was so loaded. And then he yeah. ended up being a first round pick. Hey, so, I mean, I don't want to go off topic too much, but you brought up Florida State and, you know, we're from the Midwest, so it's OK to talk shit a little bit. But sure. The Dakotas, big three, North Dakota State, South Dakota State and uh, North Dakota University had more draft picks selected in the 2022 draft than Florida's big three. Dang. Yeah. So Midwestern boys showing up to do what they do. Absolutely. Montana State even had a guy go in the second round, which surprised me a little bit. I thought he'd be a third rounder, but Troy Anderson got sent to the Falcons. But um, that's neither here nor there. But um, back to Shannon Tyndall. Um, What I'd really like to see out of him if we're in like this is my little uh like what i yeah in my fantasy land right okay uh if we're in a nickel package right and then we blitz baker on from the right side right well defense is left offense is right so then josh allen has to scramble back the other way and then him getting cut off by, you know, by Tyndall. Yeah. Would be fantastic. Just try to frustrate him that way. But I don't know. I'm not. Yeah. Maybe they already thought of that. Yeah. I'm. They obviously thought about something. Otherwise, they wouldn't have drafted him. And that's just sure. the way it is. We're just two dudes that don't know anything about football, even though we nailed every draft pick. Um, yeah, should, I mean, I don't know. The Dolphins. I GMs. don't know, like, why all the other mock draft people have such a hard time with this. This was super easy. Correct. Speaking of super easy, um, this dude's name is super easy to produ- pronounce. Uh, the round four pick, pick number 125, uh, which we apparently obtained from Pittsburgh, which it's really cool looking at all these that none of the draft picks the Dolphins selected were their own. They were all relied on another team's record. But, uh, right. yeah, we drafted uh, Arik Ezukanama from Texas Tech as another wide receiver to add to um, what some people would say a stacked wide receiver room. Absolutely. And I've seen comparisons to Landry on that. I don't want to go too far with that. I don't like comparing – players new players to, to old players especially ones that are near and dear to my heart but this guy's got some tenacity it it was hard it, looking at his highlights it looked like it was hard to bring him down that's something yeah, and I, like I to see out of a wide receiver it it seems like he was the um the the player in the wide receiver room that they were missing and i don't want to say that because we don't really know what 
kind of players they're looking for. It seems like Mike McDaniel wants players that are football players, which seems to me like something the Dolphins have been lacking for a long time. I know that we've talked about it, but it always seems like the Ravens draft players that are just ballers. And yeah. um, they're kind of like the the go-to team for, for me to compare to. But that that's what this pick feels like to me, is they drafted a, a player pick. that is going to play football. And that's good thing. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I so think the, the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Patriots are probably like the top three drafters for the last like 20 years. Yeah. Yes. Well, so then um, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say um, him coming from Texas Tech reminds me of another Dolphins legend. Uh, Jakeem Grant that came from Texas Tech. And yeah. it's almost like if Jakeem Grant was taller and could catch better. But that's just my... I'm just... I, I just think that this guy's Michael Crabtree again. Ooh, if we're going to go with true. that. Uh, and here I am saying we don't... I don't like to compare players. <laughs> Correct. Uh, fun, fun. So, Haggy, do you want to talk about the other linebacker we drafted in uh, the fr- our first of two round seven picks? Yes, and, and you know, like at, when you get to this round, you're lo- mostly looking at like special teams contributors and like people that might not make it. I hate to say it, but like, you know, people that need to cook for a little while. And I think that might be the same way for uh, Cameroon Judy. He's a linebacker out of California, Berkeley. Uh, apparently, he, according to some people, he's versatile enough to play inside or outside. I don't like to. Oh, well, I guess it fits like a four-three. That's cool, but like, I like to have like more pass rusher people at outside linebackers than a three-four. But that's that's my personal preference. You know how much I like pass rushers. I still think we yeah. need a few more. But well, I think. I think with the 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 pick of Jalen Phillips in the first round last year, his development towards the end of the season uh, was really crucial towards their decision making process. Um, we called this pick from day one, so it's good to right. see that. But with uh, defensive ends and the the potential defense that they're going to be keeping by retaining the coaches and basically not letting anybody leave from that defense. It's going to be interesting to see what they do for pass rush packages because it it feels like they don't want to have to rely on blitzing, but at the same time, they're almost forcing it. They really are. And and I, my personal defense philosophy is we need, you need at least four good edge rushers for a season. Because you're inevitably going to get injuries, and then you want to keep a fresh rotation for whenever you're rushing the passer. That way, the quarterback is constantly in terror, no matter what down it is. Yeah. But that's just me being very aggressive. When I co, you know, being a middle school defensive coordinator, I, I blitz like every play. And your your middle school your middle school defensive coaching abilities have to be better than some of the Miami Dolphins coaches have passed. Of late, um, I don't want to go that far ahead, but potentially, yeah, yeah. I mean, but, who, who, 
I know, I know, I like to blitz, but who calls an engage eight in on real life on a fourth and nineteen? Yeah, like come on. So, so who do you think the top four? Can I give you my list of top four current Miami Dolphins pass rushers are? And I mean, like it, of all time, or no, like, no, no, like on the team right now because. Oh yeah. I, I think that it. I don't know how to explain it other than saying it feels like the Dolphins just have a plethora of average players rather than just a bunch of stars outside of, mm-hmm. well, okay. I don't want to say that either because Xavier Howard's a star. Um, Javon Holland is going to be an absolute star. And, and they're wow. there. Jerome Baker's on that fringe to be a star. Byron Jones was a star before he came to the Dolphins, so there is that potential. For him. Yeah, and Brandon I, Jones, I have hope for. Eric Rowe is borderline a star. Like, so I think most what? are secondary. Eric Rowe, a star? A He's safety. definitely overshadowed by the rest of that secondary. I wouldn't even well, put sure, him in the top that's four. A, that's like, that's not a bad thing considering how like how Eric Rowe. Eric Rowe might. Eric Rowe might not even be the top five defensive back on the team right now. So Xavier Howard, X, Xavier Howard Jones. Go ahead. You give your list, but that's okay. not obviously X Javon Holland, Byron Jones, Brandon Jones, Eric Rowe. I think are you going to put Nick Needham over him? I am. Oh and goodness. someone's people are going to be mad at me. Burnt. Burnt toast, Nick Needham. He's burnt toast, but he doesn't give up touchdowns. Yes, he does. What are you talking about? He doesn't. His his touchdown percentage is much better than Eric Rose. Uh, uh, when Eric Rowe gets burnt, he gets burnt on big plays. Like okay. he gets he gets burnt in the clutch time. Okay, I will. I don't have evidence to support this, so I will tentatively say okay agree to disagree <laughs> all right fair enough but so back to the the topic of pass rushers emmanuel ogba got signed to his contract that was smart retaining dolphin talent i know that you were on the fence on keeping him or not but i i think it's a smart signing uh, i think it was cool to keep him i think he's a little overpaid but and that's that was a controversial topic on twitter but well, he's he's really. only I think he's only overpaid because he got more money than fucking Bobby Wagner did. So anybody who said that Bobby Wagner wasn't worth the money, just look at Ogba's contract and tell me he's going to contribute more than what Bobby Wagner's going to do for the Rams. Not a chance. <laughs> so anyway, Ogba's number one, Jalen Phillips, number two. And then three is probably going to be Jerome Baker. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I feel like he's going to be that th- number three guy. And then number four is going to be Christian Wilkins, but he's not really an edge rusher. Okay, so if we're going pass rushers, not necessarily edge rushers, right? My okay. order is Jalen Phillips, mm. Christian Wilkins, Jerome Baker, Adam Butler, my top four. and then Butler, Butler, Butler over... Over Zach Seiler? Yeah. Um, Zach's more of a run run guy. Eh, okay. Well, I guess I just felt like Butler was a jag. 
I mean, sure. But he's a pretty good rotational player. You know what I mean? All right. He got some good he got some good good time in there last year. Uh people are like probably gonna be like that the two people that listen to this is gonna be like, Haggy, what the fuck are you talking about? Manuel Ogba is a great player. I'm I'm he's saying pretty what, good in the running game. I'm saying what the fuck you're talking about right now. He's pretty good in the running game, but honestly, like a lot of his sacks and stuff well, come because we blitz and he comes unblocked. He, I will say though, he's pretty good at getting his hands up and and blocking the ball. I was gonna ask you how how do you value that? I mean, see, I value that uh, a little bit differently than a pass rush though. But but like a pass pass defense. A it's pass like, defense on the offensive line is, or the defensive line has got to be just as valuable, if not more valuable, than a pass defense from a cornerback, right? Yes. Okay. So here's here's the deal with the pass defense, right? He was getting those when he was either running free and they still got the ball out in time, or when he was losing. And so he decided to sit back and wait and throw his hands up instead. You know what I mean? Like, if you're if you're winning against the offensive lineman that you're pass rushing against, a lot of times you're not throwing your hands up. To block. Yeah, I mean, you only have a little bit of a of a time frame to actually rush the passer. So if you're not sure. there in two seconds, why wouldn't you put your hands up? I know, you know, it's it is what it is, and I'm not. I'm very happy that he's getting those pass blocks, but that's just from my point of view, from playing the position. I don't know, and watching it. All right, so I'm I'm just I'm just looking this up because I, I want to know. But in comparison, Xavier Howard had the tied for fifth most passes deflected in 2021 at 16. Okay. Pretty good. I'm pretty sure a couple of them could have been picks too. My memory serves correct, but I'm not going to hold that and against him. He ended the play. For Ogba, I think he had 12, he had right? 10, at least 10, but he also had 20 quarterback hits. So that's good. the the problem The problem with the quarterback hits is some of those might have been complete passes. But if you were to assume that 20 of the quarterback hits resulted in an incomplete pass, plus his 10 passes defense, that's twice as many as Xavier Howard had. How many times is Xavier Howard rushing the passer? None, but I'm talking about causing an incomplete. He's taking away their best best weapon. What are we doing? You know what I mean? Okay. um, But... Again, a lot of stuff like hits, hurries. Hits and hurries are good. I I love hits, hurries, pressures, right? Because uh, it, it makes them throw a little bit worse, right? But sometimes you just got to finish. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, 
And when it comes down to it, a lot of his finishes and a lot of hits and hurries probably also were from being unblocked. Which is fine. That's just good defense scheming. But I, that's why I think he's overvalued. And now we're okay. way off topic. <laughs> we are. Let's come back in. Let's talk about the last pick of the draft. Yes, our QB1. Yeah. QB1. Just, just kidding. That's Teddy Bridgewater. Um, oh. Just kidding again. I I told you guys I'm not I'm not going to talk bad about Tua. Um, he's he's actually talking about Chris Strevler, USD boy, University of South Dakota. For those of you that didn't know, Chris Strevler. Yeah. If I remember correctly, isn't Adam Vinatieri from that same university? Um, I don't State University. I don't know if Adam Vinatieri went to uh, SDSU or USD, but he did go to Rapid City. Central High School, which is a half hour away from me. That's pretty sweet. And he went to South Dakota State, so he went to SDSU. Ah, my bad, guys. So close to greatness, but. And he was actually part of the Colts longer than the Patriots, which is so weird. Yeah, he he went and got all those rings. It's like, you know what? Let me play with a real quarterback. Went and played with Peyton Manning. With Peyton Manning. Yeah, true. Well, let's let's talk about uh, Skylar Thompson really quick. Oh, yes. So I looked up his highlights on YouTube, and I really liked that he, a good amount of them are either him throwing the ball deep or him running the ball. So he's going to be doing things that other quarterbacks on the roster can't, except for Chris Strebler. He can do all he's, those things, too. He's basically... Ryan Fitzpatrick without a beard. Oh. That's just what I saw. Yeah, the Dolphins leading rusher a few years ago. Yes. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I, I do not believe that a quarterback will be the, the leading rusher. But, you know, maybe maybe we pull uh, something out of the Saints playbook and throw him in at tight end and eventually pay him lots of money to be a quarterback mm-hmm. tight end. I mean, we might. If, if it yeah. works, it works. Yeah. I mean, it, sure, it takes away from Gasicki, and fantasy owners will be very annoyed. But yeah, I uh, I need a I need to take a side note here. So many people I see on Twitter get mad when there's like, these are the top ten fantasy tight ends for the 2022 season. And Mike Gesicki's not on there. And everybody's like, if you don't have Gesicki on this list, you need to go watch some football. And as much as I want Mike Gesicki to be a good player, and I want him to say, yes, he's the guy. He's been in the NFL and has played 64 games. And he has 13 touchdowns. The man might move the chains. The man might make some awesome catches. The man might try to hurdle defensive backs every game. But he doesn't score touchdowns yet. And that's why. He is not a fantasy tight end. He's going to be great for the team. And he's going to contribute. And he's going to do all the right things. And he's going to do exactly what we want him to do. But he doesn't score touchdowns. And that's fine. He can be a distraction and let other other players score touchdowns. And I but mean, he's not a fantasy people, tight end. 
Most people not run a PPR. And he does get a decent amount of, like, every, almost every other game, he gets a good amount of catches and yards. I'm guessing that he just lobbies to a, every other game. It's just like, hey, last game, you didn't really throw to me. Like, what's the big deal? Let's go. But I'm not he, on the sidelines for this conversation, so. Okay, even if even if he's you're in a PPR league, he averages three catches a game. Right, because he has okay. the game where it's like six, seven, eight catches, and then he has like two, maybe. He one. averages 35 yards a game. Again, it's because it's it's a every other week thing. But I agree, not a top not a top ten tight end in fantasy. He he scores one touchdown every five games. So those, those are the really hot games. Yep. Anyway, that's that's that. That's enough on Mike Kosicki. Um, it'd be interesting to see what they do with uh, Skylar Thompson here. But I agree. Um, Haggy, we've got a little bit of time left. Um, I think I think I want to maybe do a a little exercise here. In the past, we've discussed how I personally felt that fifth. Maybe fifth, but sixth and seventh round draft picks were very similar in value to undrafted free agents. Sure. The NFL has seen some undrafted free agents go on and do some really amazing things. Um, Cameron Wake was unreal for the Miami Dolphins. Um, Chris Chris Harris Jr. for the Broncos basically won a Super Bowl for them. Philip Lindsay was a thousand yard rusher for them twice. So I, I think I think that undrafted free agents can really benefit uh, some teams. So they're in Foster shoot. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, I want you to look at the list of Miami Dolphins undrafted free agents for this year. I want you to pick one and tell me why you think he's going to be, or why you think he has the highest possibility to benefit the team. Well, you know we've got that new running back, Zaquander Witt. Out of South Carolina, and I think he could be like really good with this group of running backs, and be able to fit in and really carve out a role about midway through the season. I, I think that's going to be going to be a tough task. Uh, I really I believe you. they brought in they brought in Chase Edmonds, yep. who is a fantastic receiving back. Yep. And then they also brought in Raheem Mostert again. This is the second time he's played on the Dolphins. But oh, that's right. he, he might be the fastest player, might be the fastest ball carrier on the team. He might. Like, I, I would love I would love to see a race between Waddle, Mostert, and Tyreek Hill. That's, I agree. That's got to be. Looking at that on paper, that's got to be the fastest trio in the league. I can see that. I don't, I don't know. I, I can't think of anybody on top of my head that's going to compete with that. Other than like early 2000s Raiders when that was all Al Davis wanted. Right. Anyway, there's that. To add more speed. But um, what I... I think that he could carve out a role is if you look at San Francisco's offense last year, you could never like 
especially in like fantasy football, you can never pick which running back is going to like get the most carries. It's almost Belichickian, mm. like how often they were rotating backs. And some of it was because of yeah. injuries, sure, but like it's just like they're unpredictable. Yeah. So I think they, Mike McDaniel will bring that as well. They they still got Gaskin on the roster too. That's true. So you know that's 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 four running backs right there. And, we saw Patrick, uh, Patrick Patrick Laird. Laird. I think so. Uh, then we got our two fullbacks, obviously, and then I think we still have uh, oh, Ahmed too. I haven't even thought about fullbacks at all this offseason, but those two, if one of them makes the roster. And the Dolphins run an actual like power offense where they put in two tight ends, a fullback, a running back, and then a big wide receiver on the outside like Preston Williams. Holy shit. I'm going to have my pants are going to get really tight really fast. I agree. Because I we haven't seen that since we haven't seen that since the Sperano days. Hey, I've got got something a little bit better for you. Right. Go ahead. Okay, take that wide receiver out. Okay. Right. Throw in the second fullback. Make Two one of those backs. tight ends. Make one of those tight ends an extra offensive tackle, and then Durham Smythe as the other tight end. Oh. Do a full house. I love it. I absolutely love it. Get rid of all the speed players. Just take them off. We're gonna run power all down their throats. And have eight minute, keep... eight minute long drives. Even if you don't. Keep a second fullback. Throw Christian Wilkins back there. Three and a half yards of play. The Dolphins are going to have the lowest, the lowest yarded offense, but they're going to score points because their time of possession is going to be 45 minutes a game. Yep. Our defense <laughs> is going to be so well rested. <laughs> We're going to yeah. get to the playoffs, and it's going to be like, is this the week one for the Dolphins' defense? <laughs> well, you know, uh, Speaking of well-rested, I, I think my favorite undrafted free agent, a player that's going to come in and contribute to the Dolphins, is uh, Keelan Dyesch from Arizona State. Oh, yeah. He plays yeah. offensive tackle, right? Yeah, he's an offensive lineman. And with the the only the, the only addition of Teron Armstead to the Miami Dolphins offense, I, I no, think that he, we drafted that or we took that guard from Dallas again. Remember Connor Williams, I think. Uh, yeah, but he doesn't count. Oh. He's not a real player. Oh, fair enough. He was a cowboy. That's a good point. Yeah, exactly. And the Cowboys offense is just a facade. True. Oh, but OK. So your guy, right. Um, what if he is that extra offensive tackle in our full house formation? Well, that'll only work if if one of the other tackles like Liam or Austin Jackson actually figure out how to block. Because yeah, then, because then there will there will be a there will be a gap in the offensive line that they're just going to focus on. Like, oh, True. hey guys, guess what? Austin Jackson and, and Liam Eichenberg are in, so let's just put our best player on them. Okay, I mean, like, but count, here, counterpoint. It's a full house. That's that gap they make is the gap that we send Christian Wilkins every play. Yeah, I guess. I just we you talked about stopping Josh Allen earlier. Who who is gonna be able to block Von Miller on the right side of the line? Oh, 
Don't remind me. Because that's Tua's blind side. Armstead's not playing over there. No. No way. Ah, man. So, just saying. Yeah, Christian Wilkins, Eichenberg, I'm going to have to double-team that guy. Probably. And Durham Smythe is going to have to chip in. Yep. But it's good because... Because you're cute, because Keelan and Tron Armstead will take over that other side, so be good. Yeah. But anyway, Haggy, we're uh, we're running pretty long, and our two listeners might be getting bored. Do you have any final thoughts you want to add to our podcast? Uh, I would just like to again promote our uh, hashtag MWFFC, and I would like to say thank you guys for joining us for not only this but also for our pre-draft coverage that we released last week yeah our our weekly our weekly podcasts have been on fire lately the last 52 mm-hmm. weeks have been fantastic i think this is yeah. episode 301 i think so and you know what like shoot even our even the year before that i think we were doing pretty good too yeah it's fantastic well i i, I think i think the next time that we get together and um, can record our weekly podcast. I think we're going to start inviting guests again because it would be really nice to hear from some of our friends that we haven't heard them from in a long time and just to kind of get an idea of what people are thinking with this new regime and uh, possibly talk a little bit about the Midwest. Oh, that's going to be my final thought. We did Midwestern Fins. We didn't talk about the Midwest at all. You're right. Uh, oh, I, I, can I actually chip in real quick? Yes, sir. So yesterday, I got about a foot of snow at my work. And today, all melted away. Yes, sir. That's what I like. Uh, we got 22 inches of snow two weeks ago, and it was 70 degrees yesterday. Love it. So that Midwestern spring weather is fantastic. But speaking of Midwest, we all love talking about food, and we love talking about Central States fairs. Well, I'm I'm going to give this idea to whoever wants to try to capitalize on it, but I really believe it's a million-dollar idea. Here's the only caveat. It can only be served at Central States Fairs because that's the only place it belongs, and you know it's going to be great. Mac and cheese corn dogs. Hmm. We're going to figure how out how to – Well, so you got to get a bigger style – Hot dog. You can't get a long one. But you like got to get a bigger one. You can get a Costco, maybe. No, not a foot long. You need one with girth. Oh, anyway, maybe you like slice it. Oh, you slice it down the middle, and you take a little bit of out of the inside, and you stuff it with mac and cheese, and then you you seal it up, and then you dunk it. So when you take a bite, huh. it's it's your corn dog breading, hot dog with mac and cheese in the middle. Million dollar idea. idea. Maybe instead of um, slicing it down the middle, you like core it. Yeah, exactly. I like it. That's a yeah. good idea. Yeah, mac and cheese corn dogs. I hope someone was writing that down. Maybe Dubs. Dubs could write it down. Do. Dubs makes good oh. mac and cheese. Shout out to Dubs Grub. Shout out to Dubs Grub. And shout out also to our sponsor for this episode, uh, Haggy Corp. You can find them. 
on Instagram at HaggyCorp, H-A-G-G-I-E-C-O-R-P. Yes, HaggyCorp, also a sponsor of the Lee Deadwood Baseball Association for the season of 2022. And probably beyond. Seems like a pretty good uh, company. I think so. I think I think Haggy Corp's the sky of the limit. Absolutely. Does great work there. Thank you. I'm so. saying that on behalf of them. I don't I don't know who runs that, but fair enough. But yeah, uh thank you for joining us again for this fantastic episode of Midwestern Fins. As always, find us on Twitter at Midwestern Fins. You can find my handle at, at Ballard78. And Haggy, where can we find you? At Haggy24, H A G G I E 24. Wow, actually, that's the same spelling as Haggy Corp. That's weird. That is really weird. That's quite, quite interesting. But uh, as always, we want to thank our sponsors. And it is a very small world, especially in the Midwest. There's only like 79 people between the five states here. Yeah, well, and, and like we said, any sort of ad revenue that we make, we're going to. Donate to our featured charity. So look out for that post. Heck yeah. But, all right, everybody. Have a good night. And as always, fins up. Fins up.